to Hot 97's Street Soldiers, the hottest talk on radio. Hosted by Lisa Evers. I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on the surge in shootings and teen gun violence victims. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can find me and talk with me on Twitter at Lisa Evers and on the gram at Lisa Evers. The hashtag for today's show, Shots Fired. And if you follow me on Twitter, especially during the week, you can find out what stories I'm covering, maybe coming to your neighborhood or you know around where you're working. And also, you might want to text your family and friends right now who you know are interested in this topic, do them a favor. Tell them to tune in to Hot 97. That's 97.1 FM here in New York City in the Tri-State. Or listen to the live stream everywhere that's across the United States and internationally on Hot97.com or on the TuneIn or iHeartRadio apps on your phone. Now, we just saw a weekend here in New York City where there were at least 20 shootings with 19 people wounded and one person killed. Some of those pulling the trigger and some of those getting shot are just barely in their teens. And it's not just New York City. It's a phenomenon that is happening all across the country. In Patterson, New Jersey, 15-year-old Charter High School basketball star Armani Sexton was shot and killed in a drive-by in his neighborhood. This tragedy happened despite the fact that he and his family did everything possible to avoid trouble on the streets. A a 20-year-old Gregory Oliver, who was also shot that night, was arrested for Armani's murder. And uh, But his attorney says he's pleading not guilty. And also, we just learned this morning, just a short time ago, a second individual was arrested in connection with Armani Sexton's murder. We're asking you, why do teens turn to violence? Why does anyone turn to violence? Why do they pull the trigger? What can be done about it? Some people are very concerned in our communities that with this happening, long, cold winter, the first warm weekend that we had, and all of a sudden the guns come out and the violence is there on the streets, make it very worrisome for what's going to happen possibly. Possibly this summer. Give us a call now from anywhere in the United States, 1 800 223 9797. Toll free, 1 800 223 9797. Or hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Lisa Evers. And we have got the perfect panel to talk about all aspects of this gun violence issue with you. We have a former high ranking NYPD official. We have a young man who was shot and also just came home from doing a bid on a gun charge. A high school teacher who says hip hop can actually be be used to stop the violence, and a newer community organizer who says saving teen lives from guns and gang violence is a nonstop hands-on mission. And of course, your phone calls at 1-800-223-9797, and we're very happy to have on Street Soldiers, former NYPD Chief of Department, Philip Banks III. Phil, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. We really appreciate it. Also with us is the founder of Wheelchairs Against Guns, Kareem Nelson. If you were at our Brooklyn Push for Peace show and uh, event in August with Eric Adams at uh, Brooklyn Borough Hall, you saw Kareem there with, with his people. Kareem, thanks a lot for coming in today. Thanks for having us. We really appreciate it. Also with us is Altariq Ankwe. He's the co-founder of Stop Shooting and LIP. That's Live in Peace. He's a senior aide to Mayor Baraka in Newark. He worked with Mayor Cory Booker in Newark. And he's also been with Hot 97 Street Soldiers since the first Push for Peace effort show that we did in starting in 2011 yeah. with with uh, then Mayor Cory Booker in Newark. So he's been out there. He's He really does it. And uh, he's out there saving lives one by one. One. Also with us is, and on a much larger scale too, but <laughs> really takes a personal interest, and that's what seems to do the trick. Um, also with us is Tariq. He was shot two years ago. He just got released from doing a gun charge. Tariq, thank you so much for being with us too. Thank we you appreciate. For it. We're gonna want to hear all about, uh, you know, 
what you think about this. Phil, Phil Banks, I want to start with you on this because you've had experience, a lot of experience on the streets, also in many of our communities all throughout New York City. Why do you think we see a surge in shootings like we did you know, last weekend? You know, Lisa, like you said, it's, uh, it is very disturbing when we see these surges. Not that we have not seen them before. Um, and it's just the unknown, what's going to happen in the future. But one thing that was disturbing when I was in the police department, we saw that the ages of the, uh, of the young men primarily, and unfortunately a lot more young women, become a lot younger being involved with, uh, with gunplay. And they seem to be much more hard at a much younger age, much more callous. So it's something that we need to take a very good look at. Um, I would say, and I would argue with anyone at this particular point, that overwhelming majority of the people who are involved in this, they are searching for something. They weren't born this way. They weren't born violent. They weren't born callous. They weren't born with this disregard for the rules of society. So what is happening or not happening in their lives that will bring them to that particular point? Um, we can put out a fire with this shot, with that shot, but until we get into the deeper root of the, of the problem, these are talented young men and young women. Or they're, they're being led astray to a different path. And we need to figure out what that path is and get them on the right track. All right, Al Tariq Anque, uh, you've worked, you've been on both sides, and you, you've been for the vast majority of your adult life here trying to help help people. Um, what Phil Banks said about the younger age, what age do you see them start to turn as, as, as young people? They get as young as eight. Eight? They get as young as eight, because uh, to be honest, these, these youth are like sponges, so they're soaking up everything around them, so you put all these negative images in front of them, and you put poverty around them, and, and um, lack of hope, and you tell them that they they can't be much or do nothing, or, you know, just coming from the household point of view, it's all kind of um, elements that lead to the perfect storm that create the age barrier that makes it go lower so um we just gotta be kind of active and hands-on and like we gotta start having these real conversations and just tell people until we get the same support um for mike brown for a regular raheem we will continue to have this conversation forever so you're saying that we need to be spending more attention on what's actually happening every day every day every day because it's happening every day so you can't just put a band-aid on it for four hours and say yeah we we okay now. I, I got I got I got to that young guy. Get get into a young guy is an ongoing process. It's steps. You got to set goals, realistic goals. You got to let them know. Listen, you can change your life, but guess what? The reality is it's gonna be hard. But anything that's really in life worth having, you got to work for it. All right, Tariq, tell us your story now. Um, you were shot two years ago. What were the circumstances? Were you on the streets? Were you in a gang? Yeah, I was like in a little project area or whatever, but. To this day, I still don't know who shot me. I wish I did. Maybe, like, something could have happened about it, but it was at, I was at the wrong place at the wrong time, I guess. I don't really know too much about that shooting. And then uh, were you seriously injured? No, it just went in right here and came out under my eye, but it held up pretty good. Good thing it was a low-caliber gun or something could have happened, like I could have been blind or whatever. All right, now you 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 told me that you just came home from from doing time on a gun charge. Yeah, well, I didn't really do that much time, maybe like a week, but I bailed out from a gun charge in uh, Elizabeth. And what were the circumstances for that? Uh, Behind that, I don't really. Well, we you don't want to talk about it. Over. We just got pulled over, and they, I guess. I don't really know too much about that. There was a gun in the car? I guess that's what they said. <laughs> but in, term, in terms of the ease with which people can get guns on the streets of Newark, oh, in general, I mean, tell me about that. Getting a gun is nothing. In like how much does it cost? 
Like for a te- like people say, oh well, a thirteen year old or fourteen year old, they have a they have a nine millimeter. Where where do they get the money for that? How do Same they get place, that? Same place, police officers get it from, or whoever. It don't matter. It don't matter who you are. You can find a gun, whether it's clean or dirty. Yeah. It costs the same amount. They out there so much. You actually trade a pair you, of Jordans for a gun. Yeah, like in Newark. You want to get and not just Newark, just in any urban area, that's any how, urban city, because we all see the same issues. That's how that's how common it is. Kareem Nelson, let's talk. Let's talk with you about your organization and also what happened to you. How you ended up being in a wheelchair? Uh, my organization is Wheelchairs Against Guns. Um, I tell my shout out to my partner Terry Paris. outside. Um. Our organization is basically, you know, uh, I find I find myself to be in a lot of these kids' situations, you know what I'm saying? So I'm, I am them, you know, so that's I have everything that I feel that they need, like all the mistakes they made, a lot of people in my organization made, you know. I've been in this wheelchair 20 years. I got shot June, Father's Day, 1995, you know, trying to um, exercise my bully on somebody else, and they ultimately shot me, you know. Uh, and just, 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 just from the peer pressure of the other community, because I really didn't have to go to the streets, you know what I'm saying, uh, my mother, Sharice Jackson, she did good for me. You know, she worked hard. It's just a little, it's just a law like all these other kids, you know what I'm saying? But right now, it's so fast and the information is so overwhelming that they don't even know how to grasp it and, and take it and use it in a positive way. You know, so everything is just negative. Like, everything we feed them is negative. That's what some of the callers are saying at 1-800-223-9797. And we're going to get to your calls in just a moment. But Philip Banks III, you said... The age is getting younger, and there's also girls that are getting involved in this now too. Why is that? You know, if you just listen to what the what the three uh, my three uh, panelists here said, is that it's the it's the allure of the street. So you have these young men and these young women coming up, and they're going to gravitate to what they think is cool and what they think is hip and what they think is the in crowd. And what they're seeing in these particular neighborhoods are that this is something that's good. It's promoted on TV. It's promoted throughout the particular internet. So they're gravitating toward it. So we as a society and as a community, we have to say there's something bigger and better for you to gravitate towards. And once we do that, and, and Lisa, I don't think that it's that difficult to do. I just think that people are not doing it. When children fail, it means that parents and adults did not do something. They're going to follow right the biggest lead out there. And the biggest lead out there is a drug dealer or the, the, the bullying phenomenon or that this is our definition of what's cool or what's hip. They're going to follow that. That's human nature. Everyone will do that. We need to put a different hip model there for them to follow. And you know what happens? They will follow it. So you're saying in a lot of the discussions about this, people are going like, oh, those teens with guns or, oh, those gang members or whatever. You're saying the adults have to look at ourselves and say, wait a minute, we failed. Of course. I mean, it is we feel. And the reason why it doesn't stop is because we, to a big part, we demonize these young yep. men and these young women. Young men and young women, they're uh, going to do what young men and young women yeah. do. And I'll tell the adult, they're going to do what you did when you were that particular age. Because you may have had a different model in front of you to follow, you cannot demonize the kids who are doing it now. Now, that's not to say that there's no responsibility for these young men and for these young women. For their own actions. For their own actions. So they need to have And to make the choices. Absolutely. But the fact remains is that if there are limited choices out there for them to do, then they're gonna, they, they will follow bad choices just like adults follow bad choices at times. But is, it more, is the pressure more overwhelming, El Tariq, with the media, with the social media, with all that? It is because everything is at your fingertips right now. Mm-hmm. And they, um, the reality of life is so... Um, mm-hmm. Just blowing 
out of proportion to what re- the reality is for life. So they look on the internet, they look on Instagram, you, you look on all that stuff, and they just going crazy with it. Everybody trying to outdo each other, everybody mm-hmm. trying to, everybody balling. I ain't never saw a person doing bad on Instagram yet. You know, they're not telling the realities of life that's really going on. People are struggling, people are doing this, but you turn on these social media that everybody gravitate to, and they, it's like a party. Like they wake up first thing in the morning, oh, I gotta get on my gram, put this post up, I'm out here doing it, I'm doing me, put these. Sticks up got the mollies. I got you know, put them all on the page, and then they off for the day, and that's and, and they and they they comfortable with that. And until we had that conversation to change what what is gangster, we still gonna keep having these conversations. What do you think we need to say would be a positive connotation of gangster? A positive kind of what's gangster? Gangster is 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 knowing you grew up in a bad environment, knowing you um surrounded by all this stuff, and, and you still. When it got hard, you go to church. When you got hard, you you picked up a book and studied harder. When you got hard, you talk to an elder in the community. That's gangster. That's yeah. what that's what gangster is. Mm-hmm. The reality is that's what we need to start moving to that conversation and create that narrative. Because until we redefine what gangster is, people are gonna keep being gangster. All right, one eight hundred two two three ninety seven ninety seven. Let's take some phone calls. We've got uh, phone lines are blazing. Let's go to Frank from New York right now. Frank, hi, you're on Hot ninety seven. Go right ahead. Yes. Hi. Good morning to you and to the panelists. Good morning. Yeah. Uh, hi. I wanted to say, my name is Frank. I grew up in a poor neighborhood on, on Lowy Simonham Projects. You know, I got a college degree. I went to the Marines. I'm a veteran. And I think that there's no excuse to where you grew up at. I grew up with my mom. We were poor. Mm-hmm. And I just did it on my own. And also, I believe that the people that are on TV, the musicians, the entertainers, they're propagating the negative message to the youth. And youth are very gullible at certain times, and they're not as strong-minded and focused as they need to be because of the alcohol and the drugs, which is clouding their mind. All right, and one more thing I just wanted to say. As a veteran that went to Iraq and Afghanistan, I know the danger of using a firearm. And I don't think the children or the teenagers or even the young adults really understand what they're getting themselves into when they pick up a firearm and walk around with it without being properly trained as to what are they doing. All right, some, some excellent points. Yes. And I, one, more, one more thing, Frank, and then I got to keep it moving here. Yes, I just hope that the young people could wake up and see what they're seeing around them is not the truth and seek the truth and seek the knowledge and make a difference for themselves and a positive impact on their community. All right, Frank, thank you for your service uh, to our country, and thank you thank you for your call as well. Let's go to uh, Conrad from New Jersey right now. Conrad, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. How you doing, Lisa? What's going oh, on? All right, how are you? First and foremost, I want to say I love your show. You do great things for our black community. Thank you. But um, all, our, all our communities. My, We're all in this together, babe. Definitely, definitely. The, the, the one thing that I want to harp on is that you know, I grew up in a in a Haitian family, so right away from the door, I had strikes against me. And my parents, God rest their souls, they raised me perfectly. But when I got to school, you know, just for not being able to fit in, I got turned into a monster at a high school. You know what I'm saying? My parents taught me everything, the wrong, the right, what to do, get good grades, all of that. And this school turned me into a monster that I wasn't. You know what I'm saying? And And, like, that's sad. What do you mean, the school it's or the people at the school? Not the te- You mean the well, teachers? You mean the kids? The other well, kids? I mean, you could say that it's the kids, but if the school doesn't 
step in to do like yeah. what's necessary. How how am I going to be able to get that help that I need? Like how the whole I, environment. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times these kids, you know what I'm saying, I had no choice. I had to join a gang and I didn't even know anything about a gang. Okay. Before I knew what it was, I was in it. All right, Conrad. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, for the call. We appreciate it. Philip Philip Banks III. The um, one of the issues that the NYPD focused on while you were there was was the, these gangs, but uh, you know these gangs that would crop up in various housing developments and various neighborhoods. And again, the the, the members were very young, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Mm-hmm. Why is that happening? Do what? you think the, the gang the gang phenomenon that we see with these young people like Conrad was just talking about? You know, you know, you know, Lisa. It was a fellow chief on the job, and we would have a conversation. And the conversation I would have with this chief would be: everybody's involved in the gang. If you're an adult, the gang could be some coworkers at your at your at your job. Mm-hmm. Right? Your gang could be Hot ninety seven. It could be Street Soldiers. So we're all involved in the gang in some form or fashion. So the fact is that they pick these type gangs to involved in is because they don't have any alternate and wise choices to be involved in. I have a gang. I have a bunch of friends that I hang around with, right? That's a gang. So what's the definition of a gang? It's a hanging around with a group of people you have common interests in. The point is, is that why are there no more um, gangs that are not violent? Why are there not gangs that's more progressive? Why are there not gangs that's going to school? So the fact that we use the gangs, we have to really take hold of what does that word mean people want to belong to something and if you give them but one option then they're going to pick that particular option to get along with and that's the one they're going to take Kareem um, when I was coming up it was a balance in our community like we had different music to listen to right? Uh-huh. we had X-Clan, Karras, One da 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 we had that positive and we also had the negative yeah. but it was that option that we had to take like I, 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 I use myself as an example I'm, I was a bad kid growing up, you know, but I but I knew other men that was bad, but they also found themselves through the, through the music, you know, through X-Clan. Some people got knowledge of self, you know what I'm saying? But today, it's not like that. So when you talk about the game... I don't know, I don't know Kareem. I mean, I mean, we, I mean we have the, there's even more diversity, I think, in no, hip-hop. Not, 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 not to that degree. I'm just saying it's not as... As, as militant much, as, as strong. Neg- yeah, you know what I'm saying? As, okay. as, the, as the negative. So when you go to the gang aspect, you got to ask, like, what is it for them to do out there? You know, like, what's, what's, what's more influential, the gang, or do I have to go dig deep to find something positive and, you know, influential for me to do? So the, the crews are going to win. You know what I mean? The, the gangs are going to win. Yeah. The corners are going to win until we find yeah. and we ask them. Like, when I go to these schools, my main question is to them, like, what do y'all want? Like, like, what could we provide for y'all to keep y'all off the corners? Because we have to hear their voice. We have to know what they want. Yeah. Because if we don't know what they want, we're just going to keep having these conversations. These conversations going to go in a circle and circle. Yeah. Like, we have to bring them into the dialogue. Yeah. Like, what do y'all want? They got to be a part of the solution. You know, they do. You, and that's that. And I think that's the key. Like, we have to ask them, like, what do y'all want? Because a lot of times we talk about them, but they're not in the room. You know? And sometimes we already, a lot of us assume because we've been through these situations or we've been through jail or we've been through, um, I shot somebody out there. I, I know that life. I know what you're going through. Don't nobody know what nobody going through until you really sit down and talk to them. Because everybody got individual situations that affect them differently than other people. So until we had that conversation, like, listen, what is it you really need help with? Like I, like you say, when I go to the schools, I, I go to talk to kids, I put them, I tell you just, you know, name three things positive about being in the gang. I still ain't get the answer yet. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, we in these schools and we ask them, like, what does integrity mean? And they don't even know the meaning, the, the true definition of integrity. Mm-hmm. So we're dealing with, it like, a lost cause. And then you think they don't know the, word, the definition of integrity. And they have all this information coming at them at an open way pace. Mm-hmm. Alicia, something interesting. Uh, uh, prior to me leaving the department, um, I had looked 
to implement this uh, different strategy. And the strategy was that uh, if we took a case upon a kid who was less than 16 years of age, we would knock on the door. And this was someone who we were going to have a pending criminal case on. And uh, it was met with some op- internal opposition. But there was one borough commander, and we started it in his uh, borough. And we knocked on the door, I'm going to say, of 60 different members who we realized that within a very short time period that they were on the verge of crossing that line. They were coming into our midst. And 95% of the mothers knocked on the door says, I can't do anything with this particular kid. I need help. And that was something that is a different strategy that society has to take. These were kids. I mean, these were less than 16 years of age. And their mothers were saying, I need help. It's... Mm -hmm. It's this person influencing him or that that's influencing him, but I can't do it. But what we heard was overall that you had these parents that wanted help for their young men and young women, realized that they were being led astray and realized that there was something that needed to be done to impart their life. And, and I would just throw that out to law enforcement uh, throughout the country. There's a different way. The strategies that we utilized 20 years ago to deal with these young men and women are not going to work from this particular point forward. You can drill down. Mm-hmm. You can do it more and more. But the reality of the matter is, is that you're not going to have the success that you could have unless you change those strategies. That's right. So you're saying the country's changed, the culture has changed, but the way we police the, the way society polices has not changed. Absolutely. And I'm not putting the entire blame on law enforcement because to, to, to correct this particular problem, there's a lot of different facets that have to get involved. I'm just, for this conversation, just singing out law enforcement. But I'd also say, if I could say to, uh, to government, is that um, f- jobs for these young men and young women. And, and there was, it was, I believe it was under the Koch administration. It could have been the Dinkins administration. I'm dating myself back, Lisa. But there was a program that was implemented, and I actually spoke to a community organization about presenting this to the mayor, about where you would identify businesses in the community and that the city would pay half of the salary for that young man, that young man and, or young women. And they didn't have to take a train downtown. They could work in a local hardware store. They could work in a local grocery store. They could work in a local McDonald's. And that the benefit to the employer would be that he would have half the salary paid. Yeah. And then for the, the young man, program. there's a job right there in the community. He's not, he or she is not traveling in the community, and they can learn a trade. So, you know, there's something that has to be done from the law enforcement perspective. There's responsibility on the government perspective. But more importantly, there's responsibility for the parents, the uncles, and that home, and that household to make sure that this kid is later on the right strand. And I for want to, to tell you that I grew up with a very, very strong father figure. And I cannot say that if he was not in my life that I would not have crossed that particular line here. You know, I, I would probably say that I would have crossed the line into a life of criminality. So, you know, make no mistake, that father in the home or that uncle in the home, um, that positive male influence is very, very important. So there's blame and responsibility for all facets in this a problem that we're having. And what you're saying, a lot of the people in the community that I talk to and also just, you know, in the course of, of working as a reporter for Fox 5 and just seeing the different stories, too, there are a lot of parents that they're, they're busy working, they're, they're keeping the family together or whatever. They know that their child is, their teenager is becoming, you know, involved in something that they don't want, but there's no, it's almost like there's no help until, or not not that it's help, but there's, nothing can happen until they get arrested. Absolutely. There's like nothing, no uh prevention type okay. program el Tariq. so the, so um in Newark, we got a lot of um new things happening as far as prevention and programs project hope um the my brother's initiative keeper that was um the mayor answered the call from president obama and we you know we, we're very hands-on with it and um we're having realistic conversations with people and just letting them know listen um you want a job but guess what you don't have no marketable skills so we're going to train you 
and, and then you could get a job. We, st- we, we, we passed the point of just giving people fish. We got to start teaching them how to fish. I know it's an old cliche saying, but that's just the reality of it. People coming around with no marketable skills, and we want them to compete with people with master's degrees. that They can't even find work. But we want to help these youth and get them on the street and just cattle them in to get a job. Oh, you got to get a job. You got to go to school. You got to do this. But they, they telling them but not showing them the steps. Because to be honest, a lot of them are stubborn. He can, yeah. he can tell you. They stubborn. And they, they, they really need help. You got to break, break them down just to build them back up. And tell them, listen, I, I ain't do it to hurt you. I did it to help you. And the, and the, and this is what it is. What do you think about the uh, What do you think about the program that this violence interrupters that they've been uh, starting here in New York City? One of the groups, uh, GMAC, with Shanduk McFadder in, in Brooklyn, they're trying to do be that intermediary mm-hmm. between the police and the parents with some of these teens. What do you think about that concept? You know, we had when I was uh, with the New York City Police Department, we had met with uh, quite a few groups. I have a very good relationship with Erica Ford and At Mitchell out in Brooklyn. I think the concept is a fantastic concept. Um, I think that uh, it may need to be vetted a little bit more. We may need to be on the same page. But the concept of people who are taking responsibility for issues that are taking place in their community, it's uh, it's invaluable. This is what we need. So we need young brothers who, who are right here who says that I am now going to assume this particular leadership role. And the, we need to have that partnership with the, with the New York City Police Department. So I think that uh, if looked at correctly, um, the profit that we can come out of this is uh, insurmountable, and I think that it's something that's worth exploring, certainly. <laughs> All right, let's go to uh, Jason from Long Island right now. Jason, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. How are you doing? Good morning. Good I just morning. wanted to say that um, this extends back all on racism, because at the end of the day, we shouldn't be blinded to a system that's already broken, that was already designed to break the minority and the black youth. And the reason why a lot of people join gangs is because when you get pushed away from society, and away from just a natural thing as a human being and human life, and you get denied, the, the streets sometimes will be the only thing that you can fall back on. And even you get denied in the streets. So it's just a whole society thing, and it's a whole system thing. It basically extends from racism. All right, and if you if you feel marginalized and you have nobody strong in your life that's saying, you know, giving, giving you guidance or giving you that support, uh, you're very susceptible to that. Let's go to... Um, let, let's go to E from uh, New Jersey right now. E, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Yes, how you doing? All right. um, good morning to you. Um, yeah, I'm calling about um, the gang violence. Um, I think the gang violence uh, reflects on a lot of people, other people that have been shot and, like, the retaliation. All right, so... The, really so you... I don't really think it's too much of the youth. I just think it's like people um, shooting people in the retaliation. All righty. Thank you very much for the call. But but we've had, you know, I, I may have to beg to differ with you a little bit on that because we've had a lot of a lot of random shootings. We've had a lot of, uh, what, Tariq, you wanted to jump in on that? Yeah, what's up, A? <laughs> but there's a lot of there's a lot of random shootings. There's people caught in the crossfire and uh, and all of that. All right, we're gonna um, everyone hang on the phone. Ivory, Johnny, Damon, Aisha, Abdul, Marquise, Nicholas, everyone else on on hold at one eight hundred two two three ninety seven ninety seven. We're gonna get to more of your telephone calls. We're talking the hashtag for the show is shots fired. We're talking about the surge in shootings. Why are so many of the shooters and the victims younger and younger age? Are we in for it this summer or will we have a good summer let us know what you think about that 1-800-223-9797 on twitter at lisa evers instagram at lisa evers and 
It's Summer Jam. Summer Jam is coming up. Listen to win tickets to Summer Jam starring Kendrick Lamar, Chris Brown, Trey Songs, Big Sean, Fabulous, Meek Mill, Ty Dolla Sign, Omarion, Childish Gambino, and so many more made hot for you by McDonald's Chicken Select Tenders and My Metro Plus Health Plan. We'll be right back. There's something special about that Summer Jam stage. I remember being on the bus, seeing Jay go do Summer Jam. It's world-renowned, you know, you could go to the award shows. And everybody knows that Summer Jam is about the best hip-hop in the world, right? You could perform in front of celebrities. Summer Jam, Drizzy's home, baby. But ain't nothing like that Hot 9-7 Summer Jam, real talk. It's a Summer Jam weekend, and we got your tickets every hour. Performing live. Kendrick Lamar. Chris Brown. Yo, what up? It's your boy, Meek Millie. Big Sean. Trey Songz. Fab, and I see. Hot 97 Summer Jam 2015, June 7th at MetLife Stadium. For the entire lineup and the buy tickets, go to Hot97.com. Made hot by McDonald's Chicken Select Tenders. Hit it out of the ballpark. I'm Cindy with Lee's Toyota. And while some dealers can't get to first base, you can score a home run deal at Lee's. People come from near, far, and in between to shop our three big showrooms at one location. Amazing low prices, zero financing available, and great leases. If you miss coming to Lee's, you'll miss getting a lot for less. Family owned and operated for over 50 years. See what a great deal really is at Lee's Toyota. At the corner of Hillside Avenue and Queens Boulevard. Call 718-657-LEE's. When my girlfriend of two years asked me what my five-year plan was, I should have known to include her in it. I did not. Now I know. Just like I really should have known that GEICO has been saving people money on car insurance for over 75 years. 75 years. I had no idea they'd been around that long. I also should have known that they're the number one auto insurer in New York. We should all know these things. Now I know. And now you know. And now I'm single. Know anyone? GEICO, celebrating over 75 years of great savings and great service. Now that you know GEICO has been around for over 75 years, it's time to let you in on another little secret. GEICO could help you save money on motorcycle and RV coverage. That's in addition to car insurance. Not to mention the GEICO Insurance Agency could help you save money on homeowners and renters coverage. But this is no secret. Tell someone. Tell everyone. Be the worst secret keeper ever. Spread it faster than a middle school rumor. GEICO. More than just car insurance. To see how much you could save, visit GEICO.com today. Hey, neighbor, stop by Ace today to get Valspar Optimus, our best paint that stands up to anything. And this weekend, get $10 instant savings with your Ace Rewards card on Valspar Optimus and Valspar Aspire, exclusively at Ace. Getting help at the paint studio at Ace is like going to your neighbor. Ace Rewards members get savings instantly in-store. Offer valid April 24th through 27th. Limit three gallons. Store stock only. See participating store for details. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Welcome to Staples. How can I help you? Hey, Staples guy, I need to promote my new business and do it on budget. I can make that happen. Can you print business cards? Staples can print business cards, brochures, banners, pens, pens, magnets, luggage tags, calendars, calendars, sticky notes, lawn signs, and window decals. What about foam fingers? What color? Red, yellow, blue. You had me at yellow. Make on budget happen, make getting noticed happen. Staples, make more happen. Now at Staples, get 40% off large banners, posters, and lawn signs. Offer valid on all large banners, posters, and lawn signs in store and online and 62715. Discount applied before taxes may not be combined with any other offer. See store staples.com slash signs for details. Make, 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 make a clap to this. To show our appreciation for your support. Hot 97 is bringing you the Universal Circus. Queens, get ready because the Universal Circus opens this Tuesday. That's right, this Tuesday, April 28th at Roy Wilkins Park. Tickets available now at all Ticketmaster outlets and Ticketmaster.com. Get your tickets now. Mommy, mommy, please, mommy, mama. Can you get me tickets to Universal Circus? It's a Mother's Day celebration starring Maze featuring Frankie Beverly. 
Hey, here's a fun fact. Some fruits are really vegetables, and some vegetables are actually fruits. But Tropicana Farm Stand is both, because it has both. It's true. It's 100% juice, the kind you want. Packed with fruits and veggies, all good stuff. There's vitamins and nutrients, but absolutely no added sugar. So pour a glass of goodness. Try the newest Tropicana Farm Stand flavor, Tropical Green. Chilled and ready for you in the refrigerated aisle. Dunkin' New Iced Tea Lemonade, a delicious combination of two summer classics and one refreshing drink. Freshly brewed and citrusy sweet. Come try one today. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Hey, it's Laura Styles, and here's what's hot. Queens! Universal Circus is here. The show is all new for 2015. Save up to 30% off select performances while supplies last. Use password SOULNYC at Ticketmaster.com. And celebrate Two Fish, Five Low annual Mother's Day celebration with Chef Kevin of Two Fish, Five Loaves, the premier caterer of the Tri-State. Go to twofishfiveloaves.com or call 908-227-9065 for tickets and more info. What up? This is Trey Songz and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, real people, only on Hot 9-7. Welcome back. I'm Lisa Evers, your host on Twitter, at Lisa Evers on the gram, at Lisa Evers. And we're talking about the uh, surge in shootings we saw last weekend. Seems... Like this happens when the weather gets warm, but a lot of the shooters, teens and teen victims. And we're talking about some of the root causes of the violence and also, you know, what can be done, what adults can do to make it a lot better. Joining us in studio, the former chief of department for NYPD, Philip Banks III, El-Tariq Anque, co-founder of Stop Shooting and founder of Live in Peace. That's LIP, senior aide to Mayor Baraka in Newark. Also joining us is Ian Le- uh, Le- Levy or Levy? Levy. Levy, okay. Ian Levy, he's a ninth grade high school counselor at the New Visions Charter High School for Math and Science yes. in the South Bronx. Yep. He uses hip-hop therapy to uh, help the teens deal with what's happening on the streets. Um, also with us is El Hajibari. He's a student at the Smart Kids School there. All right. I'm not going to hold it against you. I think that's great. I like that. Uh, maybe some of it will run off, uh, rub off on me, the science and the technology part. <laughs> anyway, um, and also this is Kareem Nelson. He is the founder of Wheelchairs Against Guns. Now, El Tariq, you also use music too, yes, as part of a way stop to stop shooting music to reach stop shooting music mm-hmm. to to reach the young men that mm-hmm. whose lives you're trying to save and, tu- and turn around. Tell us about this song. Um, Living Peace is um, G Pack actually give peace a chance because we just formally asking people to give peace a chance. It might sound cliche, but that's just a, a step in the right direction. So we use music as a conduit to end a lot of the senseless gun violence. So this is called uh, GPAC, Give Peace a Chance. And let's take a little bit of a listen here.
So now we got a little piece. You gotta give some peace and live in peace. I'm just painting y'all a masterpiece. To talk about for years a conversation piece. We in the middle like a centerpiece. We peacemakers, but we always trying to fight the beast. Do the most, but we say the least. That's our mission. We always trying to save these streets. You got it confused. Hate to break the bad news. But the G-Pack's so cool. We want peace among all crews. So if the shoe fits, we can kick it. We can all move. This the conversation passed too. So we passed you. Don't complain. We asked you. So skip all the attitude. You trying to take this movement to a whole other latitude. All right, and that's GPAC, uh, Give Peace a Chance by El Tariq Anque. Stop shooting music and uh, getting that message out there like that. Try our best. Use anything. You know, God's all all efforts right now. Exactly. Ian Levy, you're a high school counselor, ninth grade. You're using, you work with uh, Professor Christopher Emden, who's been on our show before a number of times. You say hip-hop can be used as therapy for our youth. Absolutely. Uh, Grab that mic a little bit, please, and tell me about that. Yeah, so uh, I use hip-hop therapy. Um... At lyric writing specifically as like a socially acceptable platform for students to explore different emotions that they have. So as a counselor at the New Visions uh, Charter High School for Advanced Math and Science 2, I run a hip-hop therapy group um, where the goal is that we're creating a mixtape where each track on the mixtape has an emotional theme, right? So in order for us to be able to now write a track, we have to have discussions about emotional themes because everybody knows that if you've got a concept, you got to understand your concept in and out in order to be able to write a track that like really hits the audience, right? So now we'll have these emotional discussions with whether it's a discussion about jealousy or self-doubt or most recently the deaths of various teens by cops. So I have a lot of teens who have come to me, um, especially after the lack of indictment on the Eric Garner case, that were like, hey, here's what I'm feeling about it. Can we talk about this later with our students like in group after school? We have a whole conversation. And then that conversation actually led to a track titled 5 Gotta Know, where all of the individuals spoke um, to the deaths of Mike Brown, Trayvon Martin, Jordan Davis, and a ton of others. And we've actually had the chance to perform that song at Columbia. University and overall what I see with hip-hop therapy is it's this outlet for students to pick apart these difficult experiences right that otherwise they would not have a chance to so they and we're forgetting that a lot of this is there, there's emotion a very big emotional component Absolutely, to this 100%, as well percent right so these students are seeing on television right media is blasting um, these incidences all over um, you know all over the outlets and that's like a that's a great thing in a lot of ways because it's shining light on a huge issue in our country but if we don't set up parameters around that to deal with the emotional um, trauma that stems from that and right? understand you can talk about it and talk yeah. about it and work through it absolutely Haji, tell us about what it's been like for you being in the program uh, well, for me, I feel like it's very, like, it's very good, especially in schools. I think every school should have it. Because now, you're how old? I just turned 14. Okay. I feel like every school should have it because not a lot of, you don't get a lot of space or platform to express yourself in schools, especially with all the academics that you're involved in. So with something like this that's extracurricular, it gives you really room to express yourself and how you feel with the world. And what, have you noticed changes within yourself? Uh yeah, ever since I met with him at the school, I noticed like some changes. I've become more aware of everything, and like I find my own decisions, and it kind of helps me guide through life and what I want to do. And does it give you uh, any kind of sense of a little bit more control over yourself and what happens? Yeah, it definitely gives me more control. Like if I see something, like I can analyze the situation, know what to do, how to react, reactive or proactive. So. So you believe in the hip-hop therapy? Yeah. So did you write some tracks? 
Yeah, we wrote uh, a couple of tracks for the mixtape. All right, you know we want to hear that at some point. <laughs> All right, let me let me bring in um, l- let me bring in Tommy Patterson. He was Armani Sexton's basketball coach at Patterson Charter School for Science and Technology. And Tommy, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. Good morning, everyone. Thank you. Good morning, and our condolences to you and to his teammates, classmates, his his, his family, and his friends. And we just wanted to get a few words from you about what kind of y- a young man Armani was. I guess he was just like any other teenager, you know, he um, played basketball, played video games, you know, enjoyed school, losing transition from eighth grade to high school, so, you know, it was a little bit harder, but just like any other normal high school kid in Madison. And how did he stand out? Well, he was a, he was a tremendous athlete, you know, every once in a while we get a few very good athletes that come through, um, the Tim Thomases, um, also probably the latest is, is Victor Cruz. Um, you know, him coming through. And um, Armani was in that class of the upper echelon uh, student-athletes that was going to come come out of the city of Patterson. So you believe he had a very bright, professional NBA future ahead of him? Definitely. Um, even if it's not the NBA, he could have made himself some uh, money to go overseas and, and you know get his family in, in a better situation. And how are the students, how are the, how are his teammates and the students handling this? Uh, the students have been great. I've been a mess. Um, Monday and Tuesday I didn't go to work. Wednesday I went in and um, thank God for the students. They, they uh, helped me get back on my feet. Um, but it's, it's still amazing. And I, I just wish that we had, uh, if they, I think this could have been unnecessary if we had more public funding for the education, our education system, they're cutting it, our recreation program. We have we have our director of recreation, Benji Wimberly, who's also an assemblyman. Um, he used to have evening centers for the kids in our city. They cut that. It gives the kids nothing to do in the area. And so, you know, they're gonna they're gonna go to the streets. And maybe if we just had that component back in the city, you know, maybe it would put no, I know, and there there have been a number of sh- of shootings, that, uh, murders of teens in Patterson this year. Tommy, our, our condolences to you, and uh, thank you so much for calling in this morning, and and you know our condolences, of course, to Armani's uh, family and friends as well. Thank you so thank you thank you so much for 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 calling in. We appreciate it. Thank you, Phil. Th- this comes back to the issue with with programs. Some people say that programs is just, you know, an excuse for spending government money. Other people say when you hear it and you see it on the level, if you give young people programs, they're going to be involved in that and not be on a street corner. I agree 100 percent. And oftentimes, you know, even if you look at the programs that's involved in New York City Police Department or in the city, uh, there remain a program. There's a thousand programs. The question is, is, though, I'm not so sure whether or not it's in a cohesive strategy to gauge results. So. You can say, well, I have a program to say I have a program, or you can actually create a program to say that this program is going to work because we're going to put in metrics in place to determine that we're going on the the right track. So million programs, I'm not so sure whether or not we won't value from actually putting into a structure, a strategy to determine the results that we want. I'm very optimistic that if it is done, that uh, we could have some productive program and be able to actually point to see where we make making And to see the success, like what Al, Al Tariq was talking about, where you have the goals and you can give them steps. Absolutely. That's, that's what a, sorry. Go ahead, Kareem. Um, my program, actually, like, I just want to say what, what your program is doing is excellent because a lot of our kids today, they're lacking in like 
um, conflict resolution. Conflict resolution, like they don't know how to, like you said, leave all options open when things when things arise. How to, you know, carefully judge that situation. So what WAG do right now, we're we're mainly concentrating on conflict resolution, self esteem building, and the proper decision making because a lot of our teams don't know that. They only know one thing, and that's you know, balance, you know, uh, zero to 100. Like, I got to do this to prove a point. So that's what we're doing. And that, and what you're doing is beautiful because they really need that. They really need to know that there's a lot of options other than punching somebody in the face or picking up a pistol. And also to have the uh, have the creativity as well. Let's go to uh, uh, let's go to uh, Nicholas. He's been hanging out for a long time. Nicholas, hi, you're hot, hot 97. Go right ahead. Hey, how you doing? I just want to touch on the, uh, on the gang violence issue um i believe you know the gang violence all comes from what we are idolizing on media on tv on radio you know we're just looking at the wrong thing our kids are getting the wrong message as to what being successful is you know you know we should be kings and we should be queens we shouldn't be aiming to be gangsters and pimps and you know and ballers because to be to be completely you know in reality not everybody's going to be a baller not everybody's going to be a a player not everybody's going to have money not everybody's going to be successful like that so i mean we have to we have to really look at who are we idolizing. We have to put the right people, the right voice, and the right message on the radio, on TV, you know, and stop focusing so much on 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 uh, on separating on separating the youth. You know, we we concentrate so much on what's breaking us apart, and uh, we don't we don't concentrate on what we have in common and what what's keeping us together. You know, as humanity, we have to pull through all as a whole, not just as blacks, as Spanish, as whites, as a whole. We have to we have to pull through for humanity and. Uh, and show what little bit of humanity we still have left and uh and grow from there. No, definitely. Nicholas, thank you very much for a call. Let's go to uh Tamara right now from uh, New York. Tamara, hi, you're on Hot ninety seven. Go right ahead. Hi, good morning. How are you? All right, how are you? I'm good. Um I just wanted to comment briefly on the uh the situation overall. Uh first off I think that a lot of times just like points other people said, is that the kids, they don't have proper guidance. You know, not everyone has the same situation. There's a lot of children where, like you said, the parents work all day. So how, when you come home from school, there's nobody there. So you're making your own meals. You're, you're just in the house by yourself. You get bored, you want to go outside. Now you go outside, and there's guys on the corner hanging out. They're selling drugs or they're doing whatever. And then that's who you idolize. But then you turn on, <clears throat> excuse me, the radio, or you look on the TV and things like that, and then you're hearing these songs. You're like, oh, they made millions. I want to be just like that. A lot of times kids have to realize you don't have to be like somebody else. We were all born in our own skin, and you have to be able to have that will to be what you want to be. Yeah. You could be accepted by being just you. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times that's misguided. It's not <clears throat> pushed heavily on the kids to know that you're okay. It's okay to be you. A lot of that's gone. A lot of people don't know, especially the children. We're not even putting that back into the kids. I got four kids, two girls and two boys, and they're they're young. But I make them aware that you can be whatever you want to be. I'm not here to tell you got to be a doctor or a lawyer or a basketball player. You be whatever is in you to be, so that you could be successful and leave your mark in life before, you know, before your time is up. Exactly. Tomorrow. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. If every kid is like that, not just one out of 800 or, you know, it's so, the, the percentage is so low to the great outcome that that's why it's not 
that much change making because you have only a little bit of of kids all together that's trying to make it or their parents are trying to tell them that they can do that and the other ones just let their hands go and it is what it is all right, well, and then they don't have no 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 nobody to follow and nobody to tell them to do the right thing all right tamara thank you so much for the call 1-800-223-9797 on instagram uh, we're getting a lot of co- a lot of comments about uh, in questions also about police community relations latin incap the social media king i am team hot 97 talking about uh, police and community relations and Phil, since we have you here in studio, I'd love to ask you, what do you think are some of the things that can heal the tensions, like like Ian was talking about, where many of the students felt disappointed in the system after the lack of an indictment in the Eric Garner case? What do you what do you see from your vantage point now? Well, the first thing, Lisa, I'd like to say is that um, when we say that the police community relations. Uh, we have to understand that there's been uh, some deficiency on both sides. So police community relations is not just the police have done something wrong. Now, with that being said, I certainly do believe that law enforcement bears the great responsibility of that. The issue becomes really two points of how I see it. One is that uh, years ago we had this community policing under Lee Brown, and uh, it was deemed not to be successful. And I think it was deemed not to be successful because there wasn't a major um, crime-fighting component of it. Then we came in with the Comstead era where Bill Bratton came in in 1994. He did a fantastic job. But there was no community element at all. So what I would say, to, first of all, is that no one has been able to determine that you can have community policing and you can have aggressive policing. I certainly am not subscribing that they're independent. The root of the cause is that the community does not know the police and the police does not know the community. That value system was taken off. Now, if you go back into earlier parts of law enforcement, there was a value system to that police officer knowing his local community. So when he walked on the corner, he knew who the good guy and the not-so-good guy was. I think law enforcement has lost that ability. Also now, you have the people looking at the cops and say, I don't know the police officers. They stand out there on the footpost. They don't speak to anyone. It only seems like they get engaged when it's consistently looking to take uh, some type of enforcement error. So my suggestion would be a two-part thing. And here's just something that we can start at least. And this is something we can start with Street Soldiers Hot 97. Mandate to the mayor that every police officer from the footpost is very, very simple. That when they're in the footpost, they speak to everybody that's walking by. That's part of their responsibility. They speak good morning, Hello, how you doing? With everybody that's walking by. And we have a campaign, a whole campaign from <laughs> that the That seems so simple, and, but... And, and, and that's just, at least right. it's a start. And that everybody, do not walk past a police officer until you say hello. See, the police officer is going to be the same police officer out in the street, and we are creatures of habit. We're walking back and forth. So we're going to see that same police officer. He's going to see that same individual. And if we start by just speaking, what happens is that it's going to start from saying hello, and then it's going to start by asking about your day, and then it's going to start with a communication. So when that officer has to respond, on to that particular location, he's going to see that argument between two young men, and he's going to say, this person I speak to all the time. And instead of saying, get up against the wall, he or she's going to say, hey, what's going on here? So if we just start with that basic, I'm going to tell you right now, we can revolutionize it because we need to start getting to know one another. What about the fact that a lot of a, lo- a lot of people, especially a lot of young men of color, feel they're targeted for minor infractions like public urination, smoking, these types of, uh, you know, the, the broken windows types of crimes? Well, What do you think should happen with that? Well, first thing, I, I don't I've, I've heard broken windows over and over being mentioned. I know conceptually what it means. From an operational perspective, I, I never saw anything in writing on how we strategize it. So I know that the commissioner, and he speaks often about broken windows. I can't comment on it because from an operational perspective, nothing was put in place. But I will tell you this here, and I understand how the young men and young women feel about that. 
Um, how we value police officers in the police department, and I would imagine citywide, um, a police officer who makes four arrests a month, right, and he writes two criminal court summonses, he's valued as a highly productive officer. An officer who brings five kids, he saves five children because he gets them to, to go back to school, they may have dropped out, or he, he enters them into a program because based on his or her relationship, uh, there's no way law enforcement knows how to quantify that. So we tell these young officers at a very early age, if you want a productive career, this is the value system. Arrest people and write summonses. And until the police department comes up with a way to value an officer other than just law enforcement and, and, and criminal activity, you're going to see the officer walking on the scene and doing it. I want to be clear, I was part of that system, so I don't want to separate me from that particular system, but we need to value an officer to say there's a lot of ways to be in a productive officer, not just making arrests. There's other ways to do it as well. But how do you measure something that doesn't happen? You, you can measure an arrest, but how do you measure, oh, okay, well, we this this, this young this person we, we basically saved from getting involved in a gang or saved from being involved in a shooting or... It's, it's very easy to do that. And one of the ways to do that is that you save that particular individual, right? His his mother, his father, his uncle, there's going to be the, the program that you put him into. There's going to be some type of acknowledgement about the work that, you, that you've done. So right now, Lisa, you make a severe complaint against me. We have a way of valuing that. Well, we can value when there was a good letter that came in or something that demonstrates that you you did something with this particular individual. So that's the least of our issues. If we start training them to do that, so we want to train you that when you respond to these family disputes, when you respond to these aided cases, there are other issues that's taking place. And if you can capture those issues and then uh, help these young men and young women get into this side, all it is is another form that we can create. All it is is a different type of a metric system. And then we could realize that, hey, this person here is an... Policing of tomorrow is not just putting handcuffs on someone. First of all, we can't handcuff ourselves out of that particular situation, and there are other ways to do it. How we capture it is very, very simple to do. All right. Ian, you want to say something? Yes, I do. Um, I think what you're saying is incredibly important, and I think the other piece of it, right, is what schools do to help students um, not become involved in being on that street corner, right, and being involved in those gangs. And in my mind, that stems from engagement with them in a way that makes them feel valued. So a lot of the reasons that young people jump into these situations, right, uh, within gangs is that they don't feel that comfort and belonging within school, so they're like hungry for it. Where can I go where people understand me right and there's a bunch of people outside who are like hey we we get what you're going through come come with us right and that's like kind of where in my mind a lot of being involved in gang activity comes from searching for comfort and belonging if we can create programs more programs that involve youth culture that engage youth in themselves that tell youth hey who you are can be accepted here that uh, young lady who called on the phone earlier was saying she's telling her kid every day right like you can be yourself like you but schools don't often tell young people that they can be themselves right they tell them that who you are outside you can't bring in here you got to be somebody else to be successful we need to flip that tell young people that they can be themselves right and then use that to engage them in schools and the more that they are engaged in schools and feel they, they belong in schools they're not going to be hungry to find that validation elsewhere and, and do that outside Absolutely. all right i wish we had more time for the show because we have tons of calls um matt there's so many people Damien, Aisha, everyone else that's on hold, I'm sorry, we're not going to get to your telephone calls. But, um, Phil, I just want to ask you one other question because of, of what our, first of all, we have people listening all across the country on hot97.com uh, on the live stream. Yesterday in Baltimore, there was, there was violence with protests, um, over the incident that happened there with the man that died in, in police custody. And, are you concerned, as President Obama is, that there's there's this fraying of our fabric with, between police and the communities? 
that we're at, at kind of a this danger point that these things just keep piling up? Well, Lisa, I'll tell you this. Um, in all my time with the department and involved with law enforcement, I'm not so sure that I've ever felt the temperature as dangerous as it is now. Now, <laughs> are we at the tipping point? Some will say we are. Some will say that we're not. But I will say that we're at a point that we don't need to be. Right? We're at a point where we don't need to be. Now, if we're not at that tipping point, I think that we're very close to it. And that it's going to take some courage and some vision and some leadership to ensure that, one, if we're not at the tipping point, that we don't get there. And if we are, that we tip it to the right way. Because if it tips the other way, you're going to have no winners in that particular situation. So, yes, a, a, a long answer to your short question was this. Um, with the reduction overall in violence and with the reduction overall and, and, and crime over the last 10 years, to be at this point should be a wake-up call for the political leadership and certain leadership in law enforcement. The metric system is off. The value is off. The strategy is off. Something else certainly needs to be introduced into this recipe. An overhaul yes. of, of sorts. All right. I want to thank all of our guests for being with us. Shout out to Industry 21 Magazine that said they were on hold for the whole hour. We had a ton of phone calls. But I, w- I want to thank our amazing panel. Um, that was Philip Banks, the third former chief of department with the NYPD. Also with us, Al Tariq Anque, co-founder, Stop Shooting. You heard his joint. Um, Give Peace a Chance, GPAC. Live in Peace, senior aide to Mayor Baraka. Um, Tariq was on earlier with us with uh, with Stop Shooting and Live in Peace. Tariq, thanks for being with us. And also Ian Levy, ninth grade high school counselor, teacher of hip-hop, teaching hip-hop therapy. And also his student, El, um, El-Haji Bari, from New Visions Charter High School Math and Science. I think I deserve a degree just for getting that one right. All right, also with us, <laughs> Kareem Nelson, founder of Wheelchairs. Against violence, and uh, we heard on the phone earlier from Tommy Patterson, uh, coach for Armani Sexton. And again, our thoughts and prayers go out to to the Sexton family, to friends, teammates, and classmates, and everybody in Patterson. And uh, you know, as Phil Banks said, we are all in this together. As Al Tariq said, we all have responsibility for each other, and we got to really do something about this. So I want to give you a heads up on some shows coming up uh, for over Memorial Day weekend. We're going to be focusing on young vets. If you are a, a young veteran. If you served our country and you want to be on that show, please hit up Tone, my pr- executive producer, Tone Capone, at Tone, the number four real at gmail.com. That's Tone, the number four real at gmail.com. Also, in a couple weeks, we're going to be doing a show called Behind Bars. There's uh, major hearings on prison reform in Washington, and also there's movement in other states where they are trying to force paid video conferencing on people who go to visit their friends and family members uh, behind bars. We're going to be bringing you up to speed on all those latest developments on that as well. So if you want to be involved with any of the shows, those or other ones, hit up Tone, Tone the number four real at gmail.com, Tone the number four real at gmail.com. And I want to thank my uh, whole crew here at Hot 97, my executive producer, Tone Capone, our associate producer, Rose D, technical director, the one and only TJ on the boards holding it down this episode of Street Soldiers will be available after we get off the air on LisaEvers.com you can check it out there and, and listen again if you want follow me on Twitter at Lisa Evers Instagram at Lisa Evers and uh, you know Lisa Evers official on Facebook we're slowly getting that up there anyway check out uh, all the Street Soldiers episodes and latest Fox 5 videos on LisaEvers.com I'll be on the Fox 5 News at 6 and 10 tonight and uh, hope you have a great week Use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Push for peace. 
Summer Jam floor seats every hour. Hot 97 Summer Jam 2015. Every hour, every day, 7A to 7P. Hot 97's putting you on the floor. That's right. Floor seats to Summer Jam 2015. Kendrick Lamar, Big Short, Trey Songs, Chris Brown, Meek Mill, Fabulous, and more. Pony Floor. <laughs> Hot 97 Summer Jam 2015. June 7th at MetLife Stadium. For the entire lineup and the bot tickets, go to Hot97.com. Made hot by Metro Plus Health Plan. WQHD and WQHD HD1 New York. Hot 97. This is where hip-hop lives.